Welcome to Contagious Conversations, where automotive industry leaders dig below the surface and discover what it takes to shift the culture and perception of automotive retail. Let's get into the conversation. Today, we're excited to have a conversation with Glenn Pash, CEO and partner at PCG Digital. All right, super excited to hang out with Glenn today and have a conversation uh, just at, at, so everyone knows, and I'll share with everyone as, as we're getting started. I've kind of had uh, since the beginning of going, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. There's been some people that I've wanted to hang out with and chat with, and Glenn's been one of those people. So I'm really excited to have him on the day. But the reason why Glenn is hanging out today and, and having a conversation is we do this crazy thing called Pitch Tank where we only give vendors and partners three minutes audio only where they don't get to use all the decks and everything that they normally get to present with. And they have to just give this audio presentation on how they have value and can provide value to dealers and get feedback and all that type of stuff. And uh, Glenn was a weekly winner. And uh, so he, he, he got the slot. So congratulations and welcome, Glenn. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I, what I like most about it, well, presenting, but also sitting and listening was exactly that, that uh, your, your point, you know, you take away all of the theatrics, the graphs, the fancy things. If you can't explain what you do in very simple terms, um, you know, it's, it's a little harder than you think, but I think it really focuses what you uh, really are trying to deliver to your clients. Yeah. We've had a few people come on and uh, they'll, they'll, afterwards they'll be like, man, that was a lot tougher than I thought it was yeah. going to be, you know? And uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but a lot of them will be like, man, I was up at night kind of practicing because that's not normal to be in a three minute time constraint, you know? I don't know if that was that a part of kind of your your rhythm or were you like, I'm uh, well, just- yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big uh, believer in pre- preparation. So I did write out a few things and I, you know, edited it out and said, what makes sense and what can I say that's really going to paint the picture and really something a little different. And for us, it just dawned on me, you know, our, our agency, it's the, the relationship with our clients. It's not so much, you know, I always say paid search is paid search is paid search. Can you be a little bit different? Yes. Um, but ultimately, how are you as a partner? Are you helping them beyond what they're paying you for? You know, are you available? Uh, and so once you started explaining that, it wasn't so hard, but you're right, three minutes, you really have to be laser focused. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. And, and I, you know, our, our relationship as far as getting to know each other really started on this crazy app clubhouse. Um, and, and, and so audio only was our relationship for so long. And so it's been a a really fun kind of learning in, in uh, about each other through that experience. And, um, so yeah, what's, what's it been like, you know, you've been in automotive and in, and in these conference spaces and all that, for quite some time and to kind of go back to this roots of getting to know people in a digital space, um, you know, in a different way than, you know, the conference or the event type space, what's that been like over the past six or seven months for you? How's that felt? It's been, there's been good and bad. Uh, I think the excitement of meeting people and hanging out and talking to people and, and really just 
being in the same physical space with people is always fun. And that there's an energy to that, that you can't replicate uh, through Zoom or on uh, just audio only. But at the same moment in time, um, not having to travel, not having to worry about it actually allowed me to spend more time participating initially on Clubhouse to be able to meet new people or have conversations where all of a sudden my network of people that maybe I never would have met. Uh, you know, I would think that there were people that I've connected with that maybe wouldn't have crossed my paths or it would have been a quick introduction at a conference yeah. and shake hands, have a, you know, you're at one of the cocktail hours and you're like, okay, great. <laughs> but you really get to know somebody after you're, you're spending time. And a lot of times we were spending time every day, every day having conversations, you get to hear how people think or how you challenge each other's ideas. Um, I think that was a really good benefit. And then when you actually do meet the people, it's, it's as if you've known them forever. And I thought that was, uh, you know, really exciting. I didn't go to, to the digital dealer conference, but I saw all the pictures and everybody looked like they were having a blast. <laughs> and then just having our conference and the energy and excitement of people getting back out and seeing each other. I thought that was a lot of fun, but you know, at our conference in Napa, we had a lot of the people who we met on clubhouse, you know, my whole panel was based with people who were I met on Clubhouse, except for David Long, who's a client of mine. Uh, and so, yeah, big benefit. I loved it. Yeah, I, I love that this new hashtag IRL has come out the, in real life. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we needed that to explain what we were doing. It's like, oh, we actually got together. So I was right. so sad to miss DMSC. Everyone was, I, I, I was like at FOMO at its ultimate, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was good. But yeah, well, I had, I had that as well for Digital Dealer. I couldn't go my schedule, uh, family obligations. And I saw all of these you know, the people hanging out together, people I knew, and it just looked like everyone was having fun. And even this past weekend or last couple of days, yeah, there was something going on in New York City and I couldn't go because I had, took my children up to Legoland, upstate New York. Uh, okay. I promised them that. And, uh, but yeah, I think there is a lot of FOMO um, to get out and see people um, beyond just zoom now. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hitting a few conferences, uh, over the next few months. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So one of the perspectives that I really love that, that you've been able to bring into, um, especially like the clubhouse rooms and some of the spaces, you know, cause a lot of people know kind of your automotive influence and, and your ability to communicate, specifically in the digital marketing space because of the work with the agency, right? But the one thing that I've really enjoyed getting to know is that prior to automotive, you were in the restaurant industry, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is a really unique perspective. And you've brought a lot of that into, you know, how you communicate, especially not on like the marketing side, but on the mm -hmm. people side of things. Right. So uh, t tell me a little bit about that you know, how your brain goes back to that and how that transition happened from restaurant industry to automotive industry. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I've always been in restaurants, you know, it was one of my first jobs after delivering newspapers was working as a bus boy and then a cook and all the rest. And, and I really always liked restaurants because every day was a little bit different, but you had to have processes and you had to be organized 
Uh, there was no way I worked at a Perkins pancake house for a few years. And, you know, there's no way you're serving 300 people in and out without systems in place and planning and coordination and collaboration, as well as dealing with things that go a little you know, wonky at times. So maybe you have an un, uh, uh, unhappy customer or the food doesn't come out right or you drop something. And so you have to really think on your feet, all driven through the lens of customer experience. And so I worked in restaurants in New York City. I was an actor for a while. So of course that sort of goes hand in hand. Um, <laughs> and um, I worked at a couple very nice restaurants and, and one I worked for about five years while I was, uh, you know, pursuing my career. And I learned so much from that uh, gentleman. Um, and this was in the late 80s, early 90s, when there wasn't social media and you depended on the newspaper and you depended on word of mouth. And you really had to drive that experience and deliver it every single time someone showed up. And so when I got into uh, marketing, but also when I got into automotive, because I was initially going out and working on process and building teams because that's what I was good at. And, you know, there was a couple of jobs in between that, but the thing that restaurants always, uh, that I mirrored with automotive is when you're in a dealership, every day is a little bit different. It could be busy. Absolutely. It could be slow. Um, you could have a day. So it's all about that service and, just walking in a dealership, people go, oh, it's chaotic. And I actually look at it as it's very, actually, it's very calm to me because I can see <laughs> what everybody's doing and I can see where all the pieces are or the flow should be. And then on the flip side, I can see when something's out of it. Very similar, whatever restaurant I go in, my wife always says, You're, why are you looking? I'm like, well, you see, they could do that. And they could, I can't help myself from not seeing uh you know, organization in, in what is perceived as chaos. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, uh, interesting. I was a camp counselor in, in, uh, in college and we had this thing uh, that we did for the kids. And I refer back to it a lot in a similar way. Uh, we called it OMC. It was organized mass chaos, right? Yes. And I think that, that a dealership in some way is, is always that. There's a, there's a deep like level of organization with a layer of, of chaos on top of it. And the systems and structures that you have in place are there in order to handle the chaos when those times yeah. come. And I, I think that's what you're trying to say is like, you know, in order to deal with the things that fly at you from every angle that you weren't expecting, that you didn't know, oh, the rush was going to come now or the, you know, the upset customer or the, um, the, the, the car got dropped off, you know, at the wrong time or whatever it is. Um, in order to handle that, creating those systems and structures and, and putting those in place. And I, you know, I feel like automotive dealerships, I was talking with someone and they said, well, dealers are always have had processes and systems and structures. Um, but there's a refined attention. Are you seeing that like refined attention to systems and structures and, and dialing it into like a new level of excellence as, as you're going through dealerships or, or is it still kind of a little bit fly by the seat of our pants or, or rely on what we've always done? I don't know if it's fly by the seat of the pants. Uh, I think that would be too much. I do think that um, dealers have systems in place. 
but also uh, automotive, just as in a lot of industries, especially in sales, um, it's very personality driven. And so if someone's getting the results, maybe I don't hold them to all of the processes exactly like dotting the I's, crossing the T's because they're finding a way in their style to still deliver, deliver more than maybe the average. The problem is that frustrates the average because they look at it and say, well, why can they get away with it? And if it's just, well, if you sold that much, you could get away with that. That's not really a great structure. So I think that I think it's really about building all the processes. The problem is as new things happen, it takes time to write a process. And there's, there are changes. We were talking about it uh, this morning on uh, a clubhouse room, modern day car sales, talking about when, when people go to conferences, the fear of most employees is that the general manager, the dealer, whoever's going, they're going to come back with some new idea. And it's just going to be, boom, we're changing everything because Kyle said this is great. Instead of really putting it through the lens of saying, okay, I like that idea that Kyle had. Well, does that fit my store, my culture? Before I do anything, that's the first question we have to ask ourselves. And if you say yes, great. If you say no, then don't change it. It could be a great idea, but it doesn't fit us, right? There's a difference going back to the restaurant analogy. You know, if you're going to the Outback, or Olive Garden, or I'm going to Ruth Christ, or I'm going to some really upscale, you know, steakhouse, completely different styles of service, completely different ways of delivering on what you do. So if I'm going to change something, I can't say, well, I'm going to go do that for this because they don't connect. Now I could figure something out and say, well, it can't fully do that. But if I took that one little piece, then you can say, okay, now this new piece, is this a replacement for something that we're currently doing? Is it an add-on to what we're doing? And then we go into the building. The problem is that takes time. And there are a lot of constraints or pressures in automotive to get results now. And so it is that constant balance of short-term, long-term uh, that frustrates or pressures a lot of dealers to making quick decisions and maybe not well thought out or as long as we're selling, we're okay. Yeah. So what's this, you know, I guess what's the solution to that? Because we are bound by these, you know, 30 day windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of this, it, the OEMs bind us to that. The, the, the way that we've kind of always done it has bound us to that. Um, yet sometimes when I look outside of our industry and, and in the friends and like, I, I, I have a buddy that he shoots photos for shoes at, uh, I can't, one of the big box retailers, um, uh, Skechers and all his job is to, is to shoot shoes right now. He's shooting the shoes for fall of 2022. Yeah. Right. And so for, for that department, they are looking at fall of 2022. There's also a department that's looking at fall of 2021. And then there's also a department that's looking at August of 2021. Right. Right. So obviously we don't have the scale that, you know, a Skechers would have or something like that, but how do we as dealerships take and, and start to manage in both the short and long term with the, 
with the skills and expertises and the, and the staff and the people resources that we have on hand? Well, I think first what most, before you change anything or look too far down the road, I think a great exercise would to be for, for a dealer to say, are we executing everything we currently have in place to our best ability Mm. before I change anything? I see a lot of problems being solved when I go in and work with dealers, because I'll go in and work with them on leadership and building teams and, you know, help them with their processes. The first question I say is, well, what should they be doing before we change anything? And a lot of times just getting everyone back on process gets us half the way there anyway. So you end up changing less. But to, to really say, well, where are we going long-term? I think it's, it's having a leader that has the ability to look a year out, look six months out, and really reverse engineer the steps to get us there. The problem is if you're, if you're only looking right in front of you, you can't see down the road. If you see down the road and say, that's where we need to get to, but you don't have the ability to break something down into pieces and say, well, these are the steps that we need to make. So this way, maybe you're only changing once one thing every quarter versus one thing every day. You know, one of the gentlemen today in the clubhouse room was saying in the beginning with clubhouse every day, he came with a new idea. We're going to try this. And his team basically told him, please stop because you, you don't know what works and what doesn't work because you haven't given it any time to really mature. So I think that's leadership to really push a goal out to say what team, what really self-aware of the team that I have in place, the skills that I have in place. Um, you know, we can get deluded or, 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 uh, overwhelmed by what we see on social media is, oh, this guy doubled sales or tripled sales and look what they did. Don't worry about that. Where are you? What's your plan? What, what do you have to do to move your whole team forward? But if everything again goes through that lens of does any change, does this change that we want to put in place, does it fit my team? Yes or no. If it's no, skip it, throw it out and just double down on what you're currently doing. Yeah, I think I think that's really key. And and we do, we're we're like bright, shiny object creatures, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of going, okay, that looks nice, but I've got this set of rules that that we're operating under, right? These guidelines, which mission, vision, core values, all that type of stuff. Sure. And a lot of time the rules are how much money can we make this month? And when that's the deciding factor, then it's, it is bright, shiny object syndrome, right? I'm going to name it, (laughs) Um, but, but that's what we get into. And, and especially in automotive, when right now this, the acceleration of technology, new processes, all that type of stuff is, I feel, I mean, I've been in the industry only 12 years and I feel like it's just, it's so every moment there's something new and fresh to look at. And if we don't slow down and say, Hey, look, this is what our core is. We're going right. to miss, you know, the force of the trees. Well, I think I, we were, I was having this discussion with uh, a general manager the other day and he asked me that he said, what, what's your take on all of this as a dealer? Why are dealers hesitant, you know, sometimes to make change or they're hesitant or well, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, 
I feel for dealers because every day they're bombarded with five, 10 phone calls, at least with a new product, someone claiming I am, I have the secret sauce. You know, I understand Google better than Google. I understand Facebook or this widget for pricing, or this is going to be a new CRM or this new tech. You go a little batty because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's the tools that your team is going to use, right? Mm -hmm. People say, what's the best CRM? I said, the one your team uses, that's the best one because yes, they all have reports and they all have good and they all have bad, but if your team doesn't use it, who cares? So yeah. I think I think that it's just accelerating because digital had all of these claims that everything could be measured. And then with the whole tracking of everybody, there were just these, these gaps of Part because I think sometimes the process is going back to the process, you know, certain products and you could name probably 10 off the top of your head that said, basically, this product exists because people weren't holding their teams accountable to do their job. Yeah. So there was a gap. So now I have a new accountability tool that I have to pay to hold somebody accountable to the, do the job that actually the manager I pay should have been holding them accountable, let alone nice. all of these other digital things. Problem is everybody's claiming success for your 200 cars that you sold. And in theory, you're going, well, every vendor tells me I had a great month and oh, you're killing it. And you're going, well, 15 plus 50 plus 30 plus 15 plus, 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 plus equals 280. How'd I do 180? Right. right. <laughs> I'm, it, it is, it is to that. And it's very hard. And so again, it's a lot of new strategies, new process. And we are in a time in automotive and just in the world in general, where time is valuable. We are addicted to fast right? It used yeah. to be, boy, if I Amazon, it got to me in a week, I was like, that's fast. Then it was two days. Then it's same day. Now it's, well, why can't I have it in an hour? I mean, it's really crazy. And just think of any time when something doesn't load on your computer, you get frustrated and it's this immediacy. So I think we as an industry are now just engaging with customers that are basically asking a very simple question. Why does it take so long? Like, why can't it just be fast? Doesn't mean that it's it's going to be lightning. Right. But, but I don't understand. There's no nothing else I do when I go shopping that makes me sit somewhere for four or five hours. That doesn't make sense to us anymore. So yep. having that ability to do some things online, they're going, okay, great. You know, so I think that's where this accelerant is coming is from, uh, uh, just a lot more people are asking questions and, and then thus dealers and vendors are going, yeah, why does it, why can't we change, you know? And that, and so I think that's the evolution. Yeah. So, you know, I, if, if anyone knows it, I, I know it and I'm sure you've gotten it and you kind of brought up this, like, you know, general manager, marketing manager, uh, COO, you know, 10, 15, 20 emails a day, new shiny object, this thing, this thing. What, what have you seen as far as like best practice for segmenting that, breaking it down and making sure you're looking at, because we don't want to miss something. We don't just shut it off and be like, oh, 
every new email or request or phone call or anything like that from a technology or marketing, you know, process switch is, you know, worthless. Um, and, and we can't just rely on 20 groups, you know, where, where do you, where do you see that, that process working well for investigation and understanding the tech and the process and the, the, the marketing world to, to be able to execute as a dealer in this, can it be faster? Can it be better world? Well, I think, again, I think the problem is the way you phrased it. It's a little, should be reversed. Meaning, um, I think the first thing dealers need to understand or make a checklist of saying, what's the technology I can't live without, right? Right. I, I need a website. I need CRM service. I need these. I need these tools. I need these tools. Great. Those are my, I can't live without tools. And then you can get into the marketing, but really it comes down to what's going to make it easier for my team Right. So again, it goes back to that experience. I always say, well, how do I want my customers to feel when they leave doing business with me? And then what does my team have to do to deliver that? What tech fits that? I think sometimes you, you again, going back to where we started is the tech sounds great. That sounds cool. Because again, they got their fancy decks and saying, hey, you don't want to miss these people. There's people in your backyard that would want to buy your stuff. And you're going, well, yeah, I don't want to miss that. Problem is, you may already have tech that could be doing that, should be doing that. But you know, now this new shiny object, a lot of times you buy that on top of it. Now I have two techs fighting each other. Instead of always just going through the very simple uh, uh, lens of saying, how is this going to help me connect to my customers better than what I have now? And then saying, is this a replacement? Is this an addition? And then before you make any sort of, uh, change you as a dealer, you should have 20 groups. If you're a digital marketing manager like yourself and you know, people, to call up and say, what do you think? That was the reason why initially we started doing our uh, automotive website awards, AWA. They've expanded because dealers never had a third party just go through tech and say, this is what it does. Here's what it doesn't do, right? Versus you're not getting a sales pitch. So I think the more that they just pick up the phone and now with Clubhouse, some of the rooms, you can just say, hey, what do people think about this? Yep. And you're going to get feedback from dealers or even other vendors. I get called all the time. What, what about this? They claim this. Is this real? Yeah. And, and then they're just making the decision again. It, it goes back to how is this making my phone ring? Like all the other stuff, it doesn't matter. Is my phone ringing? Am I getting more people chatting with me? Am I getting people walking in? If I have forms, you're like, how is this getting customers to reach out to me? That's and if that person on the other end of the phone with that tech can't explain that to you, then I, I would not jump through any hoop to go get some new tech that just sounds good and broadcasts a message. And you already yeah. have enough tech doing that. Yeah, I, I have, a, I think, a mutual friend at this point that he says uh, dealerships not only need general managers and marketing managers, they need technologists. They need people that are constantly trying to figure out is this matched up with our process and the, what we want to serve our customers with? And that may be, you know, one and the same in some other role, but someone that really understands how technology impacts the way that they do business. So I think that that, you know, that could, that could play in there. And the other piece of this, and 
not to shameless plug, but Hey, if you just want to listen to five of these, uh, these pitches every single week and hear some people that do have some of this level of understanding, a pitch tank is a great place. And it's not just me, it's other like really smart people in our industry kind of digging into, you know, what is the newest tech and what's the, what's the stuff that we're looking at. And we looked at PCG and all that. So, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's important to be aware and, and be, um, present with your awareness without, you know, without going well, too what's far. What's great about the pitch tank is you have like-minded people in there in the positions to ask questions, right? So that's key. A lot of times dealers won't ask the question because they don't know. You know, I had a dealer at one time, he was going through some of our educational courses and he said, what I really love about this is I can go in my office and I can feel stupid all by myself. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And he said, but what I now, he said, after going through your courses, he goes, I like getting on my vendor call. Now I, one, I understand what they're saying, but I also start now understanding what questions I need to ask because dealers know how to market their business. They've been doing it forever. It's just no one there. No one's taking the time in some cases we try to. No one's trying to really say, well, this that's new is basically this that was old, right? The, the whole very simple would be Google. My business is like the yellow pages, right? Pretty simple. Once someone goes, you know, video pre-roll is like a commercial, but it's a commercial on YouTube and before somebody watches a video. Once somebody goes, wait a minute, that's a commercial? Yeah, do you know how to build commercials? I've made all my commercials, great. All of a sudden that unlocks the dealer's uh, marketing brain because yeah. they understand what it is. The problem is when you come in with all these technical terms, I still, after 12 years, go into dealers and all of the acronyms and all the other things that they're talking about, I, my head just goes, what are you talking about? Until they tell me. And I said, oh, oh okay, now that makes sense. So dealers feel the same way. Um, and But that's what I like about the pitch tank is you have people who are going to ask those questions and dealers can come in and sit there and listen and say, oh, because not every dealership has a Kyle at their disposal. Now, I always say they should, but a lot of them don't. But that's where they could benefit from a pitch tank or benefit from 20 groups or benefit from a circle of people that they could rely on. That's going to give them the straight feedback to say, what do you think about this tech? Is it good? Is it bad? Have you used right. it? I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, marrying people and processes and technology. I think it's a, it's, it's an interesting puzzle that we're having to learn. So, well, Glenn, I want to thank you for coming on. I, that's one of my favorite conversations. So <laughs> I, I no, love it. But to, but to your point, I think, and I, you know, and I, as we wrap up, I think that's really important for people to understand because too many times they sit in three different piles, people process tech versus they all have to be married. But again, going back, it's through the lens of what do I want my customers to feel? What's that experience, right? So again, going back to the restaurant, when you go into a restaurant, for the first time and you walk out it's because and you loved it it's because what they did right yeah. it's yeah. how they delivered that experience to you that you didn't think of anything other but the food so if you thought through a dealership is there anything distracting the customer from accomplishing what they came for which was i want to learn about a car i want to test drive a car i want to versus oh i have to wait if you go through the lens of the experience then you next you go to your 
the what my team has to do, there's my processes. Then I go find people who can do that. Then I find tech that helps them do that and makes it easier for the customers to communicate. Well, like it's not that hard, but when you put them in three different buckets, then you're hoping they connect versus consciously building that experience. Once that happens, then I don't care who's calling you up with a tech. Now you go, does that fit? Yes, yeah. no. Replacement, adjustment, it's confusing. I got my list of five or six people I can call. Kyle, this person just pitched me. What do you think? Mm, I sort of know your store. I don't know if that would work. Or here's a couple of questions. I would, like all of a sudden that becomes more simplified yeah. versus I'm getting hit with so many things. Once you have that framework, then you own that framework. Then nobody can bust into that framework. You control that framework versus, as you said earlier, flying by the seat of the pants. The best dealers, it's their store. This is how we run it. This yeah. is what we're doing. And they guard it with their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's, that's the ones that that we need to look at and, and, and we need to model. So, yes. well, Glenn, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. It was, sure. it was a pleasure having the chat and uh, I always enjoy it and, and love the insight that you bring and the energy that you bring to our industry and, and where you're pressing dealers and, and dealer groups and vendors and OEMs to, to, to be better. Um, and I, I think that, that we're rowing in the same direction. So that's really exciting. Yep. No, and I appreciate it. I mentioned you uh, the other day when I was talking, I was interviewing someone on my podcast. Um, I feel like automotive's in very good hands because there's a group of people, yourself included, who are in your age range, right? I'm a little older, so you're going <laughs> to say in your age range that all are committed to this, making it better, making, I think you at your keynote said, I want my child to say, Hey, could you get me into that business? Just like, Hey, do you know anybody who works at Apple? Right. If we can do that, that's a phenomenal goal and vision, but there's this group of people in your age, give or take five years that are really making themselves known in the industry. And I think it's in good hands. I'm excited to see where it goes because of your passion to get it there. And some of these like-minded folks, I think, I think we're in good stead. I agree. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining our conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and share it out. We can shift the culture and perception of automotive retail together. Until next time.